With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Sportacast. Wait a minute. You were coming up before your vacation. You were coming up with different intros, varying intonations, but you went back to the old now. I went back to the old. Thank you to Matt Bach for filling in for me. I figured I would go back to the the standard Novi Williams intro. All right. Why don't you tell people where you were and what you did? This wasn't sort of a sit by the pool down in like North Miami Beach kind of thing. Like you, you did you. Yeah, I went to, I'm in, I'm in Utah right now as we record this. I went down with some friends to southern Utah to Moab. I don't know if you've ever been there, Scott. It is as gorgeous as uh, and stunning as people say it is. Uh, did a four-day backcountry camping trip there and then spent some time on the river. Tried to catch some catfish, failed miserably. Seems to be a theme for me with, uh, with the fly rod in my hands. Um, but yes, overall, a, a great trip. I would recommend anyone who wants to see a part of America that they can't really see anywhere else, literally in the country, Moab, Utah is a pretty good spot. Right. Well, I mean, wouldn't that sort of be the same no matter where you went, though? Like if you're at a place, you can't literally see it anywhere else because it's that place. Or you mean anything similar? Just anything similar. <laughs> like you go to, if you go to like a forest in, in Vermont, it could easily be a forest outside of Asheville, right? But the, the terrain in, in southern Utah, desert-wise, is like a mix between the Serengeti, Egypt, and the moon. It is really a, it's a landscape I've never seen anywhere else. And I've been a lot of places in this country. So highly recommended for, for folks out there. Yeah, I will tell you my Utah experience is limited to driving to downtown Salt Lake City from the airport, uh, getting ready to cover the jazz in the finals, like a couple of times. That was, that was the limit of my Utah experience. But I would different. like to go see Park City and, and, and now Moab, since you tell me you bring up Serengeti, how can I say no? I've got to try that, right? Exactly, exactly. So you're telling me it's a landscape unlike any other. And I think you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Very nice. A tradition unlike any other. A tradition unlike any other. Yes, the Masters begins on Thursday. And I'm going to tell you, I know we're doing business of sport, but uh, Anthony Krupe wrote a story 
from Jim Nance's perspective on sort of his time at CBS and the Masters. And the backstory to a tradition unlike any other is great. So I'm going to do it fast, if I, if I will. And did you read it yet? Did you read the story? I have read it, yes. Uh, okay, so if I get this right, a 26-year-old Jim Nance is summoned to Augusta to shoot some promos for CBS. He's only been there like a year, right? So they get there. His coordinating producer is waiting for him. But the crew that was supposed to help him shoot the promos is delayed in Atlanta. They missed their connecting flight. I myself prefer to fly into Columbia and drive to Augusta. I think it's better than going to Atlanta and drive. But anyway, or directly to Augusta if you can get one of those flights. But I like the drive from Columbia, South Carolina. It's nice. So the coordinating producer says, well, we've got some time to kill. Jim, go hear some clubs. Go play around on the course. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? You know, he's got his suit, tie, the whole thing getting ready. to. They, they bought him some shoes and he couldn't wear the wingtips, but they bought him some golf shoes and they say, go play. So he's just finishing up Amen Corner and he sees the producer coming up in a, in a, uh, from behind him in a golf cart and he knew, obviously, the crew had arrived and he's like, oh, come on. Uh, so he had to walk off the course early and go do the work. He was there, but it was there, there and then, the first time that he uttered the phrase, a tradition unlike any other. And then, of course, if you're familiar with the Augusta lore, the club itself has moved to trademark that phrase and it's just sort of part of the lore of the Masters. And there's truth in that to the way they operate their business. The to to get down into the into the business of sports side of things, the the CBS contract, I believe, Scott, is still a handshake agreement yep. between the year tournament and, and the network year to year. There are significantly fewer ad breaks. Anthony in that same story breaks this out. There's four minutes of ads for every hour on Masters coverage. That's about 25% of what you get for most sporting events. You're only going to see three advertisers on the telecast. It's Mercedes-Benz, it's IBM, and it's AT&T. The core sponsors, uh, And those companies, yeah. the, core, the core sponsors, and those companies essentially pay just to defray the cost for CBS. They're not paying these huge markups that we see oftentimes in other sporting events for advertisers. They're just paying essentially to make CBS whole for the production of the company of the of the tournament is about twenty four million dollars. So tradition, unlike unlike any other, it's certainly you know there, there there's a lot you can say about it, probably positive and negative. But from a business of sports standpoint, this tournament operates different than any other golf tournament and maybe any other sporting event out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, if you put the bidding rights up for the Masters, it would be far higher than what CBS way higher. Is than, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you wanted, you could probably sell 50 to 100 sponsors uh, sponsorships for this for this tournament but it's a it's brand association and if you're Mercedes and you're IBM you want your brand alongside that sterling brand of Augusta because in sport it stands for something it does stand for for the tradition it stands for excellence it's the first major of the year so you can understand why on a limited basis uh, you could see those companies, wanting to put themselves alongside of the master's brand. And it's also a, a huge hospitality opportunity for those three companies to fly clients down, to fly employees down, to fly prospective clients down, um, and have them take in the golf tournament. Obviously, that looks a little different uh, at the master's right now. 
and and Scott, we, we made it this far. I'm proud of us actually without mentioning Tiger Here Woods. Here we go. <laughs> but at some point, you got to bring it up. Looming over all of this, certainly the the, the car accident that the Tiger was in a few weeks ago. He he won this tournament back in 2019. Um, his chance to defend it was obviously delayed because of of COVID 19. But again really feels like deja vu here. We're talking about another big golf tournament. And even though Tiger isn't playing, he's a principal part of the storyline. Yeah, absolutely. They they left a spot open for him at the Masters dinner. Um, and another thing that comes with Augusta, uh, besides you and I discussing who else among these young golfers are ready to fill this Tiger Woods void, right? Who's going to step up? Great video the other day of DeChambeau hitting in front of Vijay Singh. Did you see that awesome video? video. I, I did by see the it. way, my, I, I slipped a disc just watching. Yeah, I'm like, if can any chiropractor please sort of hit us up on Sport Sportacast on Twitter and let us know, like, you know, L this or that is going to go any minute now. It was un the torque, the speed was, and then it was one after the other. Like they kept throwing them the one after the other. But Evan, you know what else follows Augusta every now and then here, hmm. and that's controversy. So yeah. of course, this year now. Uh, with Major League Baseball yanking the All-Star game from Georgia because of what they say are, are oppressive voter laws. Um, now, Marco Rubio has challenged Rob Manfred, who, by the way, I did not know was a member of Augusta. You know, they do not publicize who's in. Deliberately, who's out, who is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they keep that very um, quiet. But apparently, you know, Ma Manfred is. I did not know he, he golfed. Um, but Marco Rubio had said in a letter to the commissioner of baseball, well, are you going to give up your membership to Augusta if things are so bad in Georgia? Um, Condoleezza Rice, also a member, but those are some that we know. This isn't the first time. I mean, in 2003, remember, the Masters was held without the TV sponsors uh, when there's a big controversy about admitting women. Um, and of course, they finally did in 2012 uh, admit uh, a woman. And if, if I'm not mistaken, like, I believe Sandy Weil, when he was the CEO of Citigroup, uh, he told the club back then, and he was a member, that he supported female members. So uh, the plan of attack, if you're looking to get to the Masters, would seem to be the CEOs of publicly traded companies. They do have to care what investors say and what they think. Uh, and right now, it doesn't seem as if there's any groundswell uh, against any companies who are supporting the masters or members who are CEOs uh, because of the voting issue. Yeah, and I believe President Joe Biden was asked as well if the Masters should be should be moved from uh, from from Georgia, just like the Major League Baseball All Star Game, and 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 another kind of part and parcel with what you were just saying about pressure on sponsors. Scott is is political pressure, and it's a perfect segue to our next topic of conversation on Tuesday. A spokesman for the Department, a Secretary of, or sorry, for the Department of State, State Department said uh, that the country was eagerly or, or wishes to discuss with a bunch of allies and, and, and international partners the possibility of a boycott of some sort of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. This is becoming, Scott, a much, much bigger political issue than even most Olympic controversies of the past few years. And as we sit here, we're recording almost exactly 10 months before those Olympics are set to start in Beijing. I think we're only seeing the beginning of what is going to be a big, big fight over the participation, both from an athlete standpoint and from a political standpoint in the Beijing Olympics next year. Yeah, I think China made it pretty clear, you know, warning the U.S. not to talk boycott or not to think about boycott. But 
we really have to define what are we discussing? And the State Department wasn't clear. I mean, the State Department wasn't clear <laughs> right. about much. It was, we said it, wait, we didn't say that. And then it's back to, well, you know, there, there are disparate opinion here. And the, there, there are different levels of boycott and action. There's the kind of do not send your athletes at all. There, there is that kind of boycott. And then there's the kind of boycott where maybe politicians don't recognize the games, uh, but the athletes still go. And that, of course, to me, doesn't really mean as much. Um, but it's the sort of thing that Mitt Romney has, has said should take place, that uh, politicians shouldn't recognize it, should boycott the games, but uh, the athletes work too darn hard and they shouldn't be punished and they should be allowed to go. So not only are we not sure exactly what the State Department said or means, but we're not sure in the grand scheme of things really what sort of plan they're talking about. Athletes, no athletes, just politicians, companies, um, so right now it seems we have a mess. Uh, China is not happy. We know that. And yes, as you said, there's going to be plenty more as we lead into these games. Yeah. And we, and we know it's an important distinction that you just made there, Scott, between a boycott that includes athletes and one that doesn't in the past, the United States has done both during the cold war. There were Olympics where we didn't send athletes. And even more recently, I don't believe the Obama administration sent a former delegation to Sochi for the winter games that were in uh, that were there. So yes, I think there's there's precedent for both of these things. On on Wednesday, the chair the chair of the USOPC, Team USA, Suzanne Lyons, she laid out exactly where Team USA is. And what she said, I thought this was fairly interesting. What she said was part of what they have been saying for a long time, which is what you said, Scott. Not sending athletes punishes athletes in a way that is potentially unfair to them. And she said that look, if 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 the U.S. government has a problem with the with the actions of another foreign government. There are plenty of ways that does not involve the Olympics for the U.S. government to make that clear. Uh, those are two things that the that Team USA has said before. One other thing she mentioned, which I don't believe that Team USA has said before, is that this places unfair pressure on sponsors. The people that, as you know, Scott, pay a lot of yep. money, and I would think she's thinking of NBC in there as well. Between the sponsors and the the, the media companies on the U.S., they end up paying the the massive bulk of essentially all the all the Olympic movement from funding athletes and their training to their travel, et cetera. Um, but I believe that's the first time that Team USA has mentioned directly that all this boycott talk is also unfair to their corporate partners, which is an interesting development as well. Yeah, and the good and the bad, by the way, we've heard in the past complaints that the USOPC does not get funding from the government, right? Because that are some many other countries do and their athletes don't have to have jobs and they can just focus on training. That's the con. However, we should note that because the USOPC does not get funding from the government, they are free to decide whether they wish to go, not go, boycott, not boycott. Yeah, it's a good point. The, to, even if the State Department kind of decides we, we don't want Team USA to, to go to Beijing in, 20, in February 2022, it's kind of unclear exactly whether they have the, the right or the ability to do that. Certainly the State Department could put in a, a point blank no American citizens are allowed to travel right. to China that, that would apply to athletes. That seems pretty far off. There's questions about whether the USADA and the, the anti-doping testing might be a way in there. Um, also questions about just travel visas in general. Uh, there's no question that if, the, if, if there was a unified political message around not sending athletes, the Biden administration could put a lot of pressure on Team USA not to do it. But you're right, it's unclear whether they even have the authority to make that decision on behalf of the team. Scott, when I was 
doing some writing on this and, and reporting on it, everybody I talked to mentioned the NBA as kind of the perfect example of, of, of the, the, the thorny issue of wading into, particularly in China, the political issues in another country and the way that that can affect the bottom line of a, of a sports entity here in the U.S. And I'm, I'm talking, of course, about Daryl Morey and his tweet supporting the, the, the pro-democracy protesters in, in Hong Kong, a, a tweet that is going to end up I don't know the final number, Scott. I, I believe Adam Silver has said hundreds of millions. It's going to cost I, the NBA I, a lot. I, I thought money. you were going to say it was going to be an NFT. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, it might be. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It goes to the NBA. They sell it. They get all their money back. from. All, there we go. I just, we just came up with an I'm going to email Daryl and say, I have an idea for you. I have an idea, Daryl. But Let's get our under. producer, Matt, to cut this out of the podcast so we can then sell this idea. <laughs> exactly. Over or under, by the way, Novi Williams. The time between the State Department saying what it said and then walking it back and not really sure what they said and the phone ringing at like NBC for Pete Pavacqua or higher up the chain, uh, Brian Roberts at Comcast to be like, wait, they said what? 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 <laughs> We're talking yeah, about boycotting what, the Olympics? Wait, 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 wait. I don't know but where it, you're setting the over under, but I want the under. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, even I, if it's I would 10 think seconds. Almost, Almost immediate. And and you mentioned Mitt Romney in there, Scott, as, as someone who is who has been kind of vocal in pitching this hybrid boycott idea where athletes can go, but but politically and economically there, there are some kind of ramifications for China. If you read Mitt Romney's New York Times op-ed, there's a big section in there about NBC and his desire for NBC to maybe not stop broadcasting the games but to tailor their coverage so as to be more realistic about what's happening on the ground in China, so as to, to maybe cut out a lot of the things that Olympic hosts often do around nationalism and the beauty and pageantry of their country, et cetera. So no matter what, where things end up on, on U.S. participation, both politically and from an athletic standpoint in Beijing, there's going to be a fine tightrope there for NBC to walk. And I'm sure, as you said, they've been thinking about it for a while and it's going to become top of mind moving forward as well. Yeah, all of this stuff is all combined. Remember like when GE was the parent company of NBC, it's, it's sort of like if you go to the French Open, uh, perhaps the head of GE was sitting in the president of France's box and saying, hey, nice tennis tournament that we have here and we pay some money, but real, let's get down to business. How many jet engine, you know, how many jet engines would you like to buy from General Electric? So it's never just about the sport. Um, speaking of sport, baseball, baseball cards, Tops is going public, Mr. Novi Williams. And I mean, for me and somebody of my not so young age, like that's still a pack of baseball cards with the, with the gum that's stale, but that's a great deal of nostalgia. But, you know, Michael Eisner, he, uh, he bought Tops in 2007. Uh, now he's going public through a SPAC with the hedge fund manager, Jason Mudrick. Um, you know, I guess, I guess, uh, baseball cards are all grown up. Is, is there a better 2021 story? No, right the, mo now the most than, 2020. Then yeah. Topps Baseball Card Company, which also dips into NFTs, which we'll get into going public via SPAC acquisition. It seems to hit all of the, all of the big things that we've been talking about on this pod and off this pod at Sportico for the past few months. Yeah, but this is no longer no longer just about the baseball cards and the gum. Of course, I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta look for it. the money. By the way, is going to be used to buy out Madison Dearborn Partners. They they paired with Eisner to to buy the company back in 20, uh, 2007. Um, by the way, on the board already, Jill Ellis, the former national team coach, the soccer team coach uh, for the women, uh, and also joining her now, Mark Lassery, one of the owners of the Milwaukee Bucks. Good Eisner addition. will have yeah, Eisner will have a thirty six percent share of the company, giving him control. 
this is about the future and all the things we were already joking about, like Daryl Morey turning that tweet into an NFT. I know Daryl has bought some some digital art. It's at least it was his avatar on Twitter, but they are clearly at the tops company looking to get into blockchain things such as NFTs, mobile games, um, apps for collectors. This is about the, the digital age uh, of collecting, and Tops has a a great brand. Um, not long ago, Steve Cohen led a group to to buy uh, Collectors Universe, take it private. That was like a seven hundred million dollar deal. So if you're thinking this is just baseball cards. Uh-uh. We are far beyond that at this point. And to that point, Scott, one of Top's biggest competitors, Upper Deck, filed some some trademark requests this week that were caught by some eagle-eyed people on Twitter. Uh, that also shows that Upper Deck is looking at NFTs because, of course, they are. I'm sure Panini, the other big player in the space, also looking at at NFTs. I'll be honest with you, Scott. I'm starting to get fatigue here. A couple of weeks ago, when Rob Gronkowski became, I believe, the first active athlete to roll out his NFTs, it, w- it was buzzy. Now it's it, it feels like everywhere I turn, there's the first UFC fighter, the first retired player. Big news as we record this. I think both today, Scott, the Manning brothers getting into NFTs and Tom Brady. So it's so a two quarterbacks constantly compared on the field for their for their NFL careers now being compared in a different realm as well. I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting NFT fatigue and I'm wondering if that starts to show more and more in the marketplace as well. Well, yeah, I don't know, but I do know that it's important to differentiate yourself. That's that's one thing. And when we were chatting with the UFC heavyweight champ Francis Ngannou, like his NFT had a story, right? There was a story around it, his life which differentiates. Eli and Peyton, they're selling eight pieces of digital art. And it's supposed to be the story arc of their career. Somehow, you know, you've got the Omaha Omaha that Peyton yelled at the line of scrimmage. Um, you've got the David Tyree catch against the helmet when the Giants spoiled the perfect season of the Patriots and the aforementioned Tom Brady. Um, but Brady's launching a, a, an entire company surrounding it. It's called Autograph. Now, let me, let me name some of the people who are involved in this company. You let me know if you're going to bet against this, whether you've got fatigue or not. Eddie Q of <laughs> Apple. Michael Rapino of Live Nation, Jason Robbins, CEO of DraftKings, Peter Goober. So I'm not so sure that I would bet against that group of people to not, even though not the first, to create something that in the end perhaps becomes a marketplace leader. And one of the things that that Tom Brady appears to be doing, which I think is is really smart, is kind of blending NFT sales with unique access to him that you might not be able to get elsewhere. Another NFT first, Luca Garza, the the forward on the, at the University of Iowa. I believe he was the player of the year this year yeah. in college basketball. He was the first college basketball player to to launch his own NFT, and and the the, the buyer of that got to play a, a game of horse with Luca in person. Uh, so I think we'll start seeing more and more of this as well. The the pairing of the digital piece with some kind of access, physical access in person on the phone, whatever it is that you also just can't buy anywhere else as well. The kind of like a, a cameo meets trading card in some capacity. I'm high on the Daryl Morey idea. I am apt. I'm telling you, it's a great I, idea. I am moderating. Actually, you know what? Daryl is as we speak, you know, this will, this will come out on Thursday, but tonight, because I am hosting a panel at the Sloan analytics conference, Daryl's the co-founder, along with Jessica Gelman. There's a little Zoom call tonight among the, some of us who are participating. 
I, I think I'm going to bring this up to Daryl. Maybe I'll have an update on the next show. It's like what Daryl thinks about that idea. Or if he says, let sleeping dogs lie, I'd rather not revisit that moment <laughs> at all. I do not know. Well, what I do know... I have, I have a sense of where oh, he may go. <laughs> okay. What I do know is that he... Eben Novi Williams is back from vacation. You can find him on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. You can find me at Sashnik and our social media guru, Cora Veltman, likes me to remind everybody you can find the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.